the Shir should be Elias Neshama and the Schus for Nachman David Ben Ben Avraham. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I, the shear that I want to give, actually it's a fascinating shear. It's um, in many ways the, the, the concepts of this particular shear uh, is uh, very, very um, unknown to most people. But the Ramchal has a whole chapter on it. And that is, what is the origin of the concept of Jew and Goy? That's the, he calls it the Inyan of Yisrael, the Umus Ha'ilam. Jews, the Jewish people and the nations of the world. What is the uh, relationship and so on? What are the origins? And what does it really mean today and in the future uh, in terms of Ha'ilam Habo? Who has Ha'ilam Habo? Do Goyim have Ha'ilam Habo? If they do, how and so on? So I really want to talk a lot about that, you know, uh, and, and so on, you know. <clears throat> Ramchal says something very interesting, and it could be actually looked on very, very interestingly, almost as racist. But it doesn't really make a difference, you know. The truth is the truth, and that's the end of it, you know. If I said that an animal and a uh, <coughs> human being are two different species... Would you say it's racist? No, it's true. You know, it's not a racist remark to say uh, a human being and an animal are, are two different species and so on. But, uh, so therefore, <clears throat> what the Ramchal says is very interesting. That even though the Jews, Israel, looks like everybody else, their humanity is the same as everybody else's humanity. What the Ramchal says, however, what you're really looking at is two different types of species, which is interesting. That in many ways, they are completely different. There is a common denominator, commonality. Everybody, we're all human. But the type of human is very different. It's almost like, you know, you know sometimes there's these kind of, uh, you know, yeah, we ever see these kind of movies uh, you know, I don't know if you've seen it, but you know they have these kind of movies that you know where they all of a sudden uh, a su super race comes over and takes the United States. It's a classic Hollywood plot, you know. <coughs> and all of a sudden, this super race is super. Like each person has an IQ of ten thousand. You know, we're talking about the average IQ of an American—not American, but the, uh, a per human being. <coughs> you know, I, I hate to talk about an IQ of Americans. But uh, an IQ of a human being is like 100, the average, right? And a genius is, let's say, 130, 140, right? And a super genius is like 170, you know, and so on. And there were such people that had that type of IQs and so on, you know. And all of a sudden, this race from another planetary system in some other galaxy, they come to the Earth and they got IQs of 10,000, you know. So what would you say? And let's assume they even look like you. You know what I'm saying? What are you going to say? Well, you know, there's, well, you say, hey, the difference between this and this, right, is two different species. They may be human, right, or, or look like humans, but this is not the uh, same thing as a human being. In a certain sense, that is true of a Jew and a guy. Like I say, even though commonly 
commonality. They are the same, but there are two different types of humans, you see, and we will understand what that means. And I don't mean it in, in any way as a racist remark at all. First of all, that's what the uh, Ramchal says, that's Kabbalistic, and so on. The question is, what does that mean and why? How do we understand that? In what way are they different, you see? Now, what is important to understand ultimately, which we will see, is that a goy can also become this kind of super race. They can. They can become Jewish. You see, so we're not talking about something that is absolutely uh, the Jewish people and absolutely the non-Jews. No. A non-Jew, which we know, can become a Jew. And therefore, he can also attain the status of a super race in that sense. You see? So that's an important difference. You know, you're not permanently, uh, a guy is not permanently affixed to that status and so on. But the concept of a Jew really is a super Jew, a superman in that sense. You know, and the concept of a guy is an average ordinary person. The question is, what does that mean? How did it start? And well, how does it affect humanity in general, you know? So that's, that's really what we're getting into and so on. <clears throat> For that, in order to understand this, we have to understand, okay, the beginning of everything, which is Odomarishim, the first man. And really, what did God want? So what Odomarishim is, obviously, is a human being. But what we have to understand is Odomarishim is not a human being. He is a superhuman being. What does that mean? He doesn't inhabit a physical world. Odomarishim is not physical. He inhabits a different type of plane of reality or existence. In many ways, it's called Olim Yitzira. And that's really what he inhabits, you see. What kind of an inhabitant or place is that? In which it's not this world. It's not a physical world. It is a spiritual domain, okay? And that is called Olim Yitzira. And that's what he inhabits, okay? And therefore, the, what type of a place is that? It is a place where the presence of God pervades that world. In other words, you're always conscious in many ways of, of God himself. There's no real, there's no hest there. There's no concealment of God. Now, we don't know what that was. We have no inkling of that type of experience. But it's a different reality that he's in. Although he's still human in that sense, but it's not the reality that we know of, which is a physical universe. In that reality, what his job is to conquer that limitation, which is the fact that he is spiritual, but he's not spiritual enough. He can grow to a much greater degree. His test, which I once spoke about, is this problem. <clears throat> he knows that God is incredibly powerful because he's all of a sudden comes in on the sixth day he takes a look around, he says, wow, what a place. I didn't do this. But then who did? He knows God created the world. He's aware of that. And he takes a look at that world and he says, this is beyond belief, you see. So he has that understanding that God is the ultimate cause or power. What he doesn't know is that God is the only thing that really exists and he emanates from God. That is 
removed from his consciousness in order to give him a test. Now we know that the Sultan tries to, in the form of a snake, tries to convince him that what? <clears throat> that he can become God. You know, that's what he offers Chava, that his argument to her, and she wants to become God. Adam wants to become God. You see, or else why would she even eat the fruit? Because she would like to become God. Now, we know that obviously she can't become God. It's the whole concept of what's called Yichud Mitziusoy, that only God exists and nobody else really exists. Everything emanates from God, so how can you become God if you're merely some type of an emanation? And even after you emanate, you don't exist like God at all, and so on. So that's the truth of the matter. But she wants to become God, so she eats from the fruit. Uh, so therefore, what we understand then is that instead of Odom uh, and Chavo resisting this temptation, they would have become much more spiritual. What does that mean? What does it mean to become more spiritual? They would, become, they would have become aware of the presence of God to millions of degrees greater. And they would have therefore become close to God. They would have achieved an unbelievable status of dvekas. That's what they would have achieved, you see. So therefore spiritual growth really is what they have to become. And that's what God wanted uh, if for Adam and Chava to achieve that level of spirituality. Now, what's also interesting is that's Adam and Chava. What about the rest of the human race? What about happened to them? Right? Because there's more than just Adam and Chava. So, what the Ramchal says, which is very interesting, is that there would have been other people. or There would have been the whole human race. Or whatever constitutes, you know, a uh, human population. You know. But they would have had that in Ulam Habo. In other words, that's how everybody would have emerged. They would have given birth in, what, uh, in whatever, what, whatever that means. I mean, obviously we're missing a lot of details and so on. But they would have given birth to Nishamas. That would have been like Odom. But the interesting thing about that is that these individuals that would have been the products or the offspring of Odom and Chava, Right, would have enjoyed the exact level of spirituality as Adam and Chava, you see. So there would have been what's called offspring, descendants of Adam and Chava in Oilam Habo, you see. And the level of spirituality would have been exactly like Adam and Chava. So therefore, even in Oilam Habo, there would have been a, a race, so to speak, of these people the descendants of Odom and Chava. That's what should have been. Okay. Now, there are problems. Ramchal doesn't answer these problems. What do you mean? If they would have been exactly like Odom and Chava, but they didn't do any work for that. So, as I once said, how is that a tikkun of Namadik Sufa? Whatever. Ramchal does not address that problem. In other words, why would they deserve to be the same as Odom and Chava if they didn't do anything for it? What would, their, what would their merit be, you know, to deserve that type of state? He doesn't mention that. He leaves that problem out. But what he does say is, therefore, is that they would have merited that status of Odom and Chava in Oilam Haba. And that would be the perfection of man. Oilam Haba is a place where everybody would experience God 
in a way which we cannot even begin to understand. And that would be the greatest perfection of all, to experience God that way. But what's important is that's what God wanted originally from Adam, and there would have been an entire population, whatever the number would be, and it would be a finite number, by the way, and so on, of, uh, of descendants, offspring of Adam and Chava and Oilam Haba. That was the original intent of God. That's a very important idea. Okay. Um, but something happened. <coughs> what happened as a result of all this? Okay. We see, therefore, that Adam and Chava had a tremendous level of, of, of Kedusha, of spirituality. And like I said, what God wanted is that they should strive and achieve much greater levels of spirituality by avoiding the temptation of the snake, okay? And that would have ushered in, ultimately, the future world would ultimately have happened, and all mankind would then enjoy those, the, those results. What happened was something, uh, now, one more thing. <clears throat> that even the offspring themselves would have been of different levels. Not in the sense of, uh, of uh, reward or holiness, but the Ramchal distinguishes. There's Adam, <coughs> his descendants would have what's called root souls. They would be, uh, you know, um, the direct uh, descendants of Adam and those neshamas that would have been born or emerged from Odom and Chava would have had an incredible uh, uh, closeness to Odom and Chava and they are called root neshamas, shrashim. These shrashim, root neshamas, would give now birth, in whatever that means, to what's called derivatives or descendants. They are called anofim, or branches just like there's a branch and a, and, and a root and a branch, you know, <coughs> and so on. So there are levels of emergence, so to speak. It doesn't mean that the branches are less than the roots in the sense of uh, kedusha or holiness, but it does mean that there is some type of a order in terms of neshamas, those that directly come from Adam Chava and then those that directly come from the roots themselves, there's an entire sort of what's called a hierarchy. And, and that's what should be in Ulam Haba. Okay. Now, the problem was, of course, is Adam and Chava sinned. So what they did is they, they entered a terrible degraded state. There were two things that happened, or several things that happened. And this is very important. One of them is that... <coughs> The world that they inhabited, which was an Oilam Yetzirah, which was a spiritual domain, okay, they fell into what's called a physical world. That's what happened. So, in some sense, their residence changed to a physical planet, which is, of course, where we are now. They became physical. They lost that spiritual Co uh, uh, cognition or that spiritual consciousness that they had. So basically two things happened. One is that they became physical which automatically meant that their perception of God was drastically reduced. 
the physical world no longer has the obvious containment of God or the obvious presence of God. No longer. We don't see God at all, you see, because physicality is a barrier to experiencing spirituality. So they would have lost, and they did lose, they lost their consciousness and their ability <coughs> to perceive God, the presence of God. That was the first thing that happened. And that's a major shift in the world. The second thing that happened is that <clears throat> evil or the sultan now became dominant in their lives. While they were in Olam Yetzirah, the sultan, as the mouthpiece, the snake and so on, has no connection to that world. You know, had no connection. It's not clear the relationship between the Olam Yetzirah and this world, the physical world. But in any case, when they became physical, they became subject to the influence and the power of the Satan, which is a Malach, who now tries to influence them to sin. That was the result of them becoming physical. So you have two things. One is that they enter the world of darkness, no spirituality, okay, or very little, if any, you know. No ability to perceive and feel the presence of God at all. You see, and not only that, they are now uh, subject to the wiles of a being that wants to get them to defy God. <clears throat> and I once spoke about that in a shir. And what that means is that <clears throat> the Yetzirah now tries to convince them of a very important idea that you are independent of God. And this is the problem. All of us walk around with that illusion, or should I say, delusion. Like I once said, the problem with people is that they all think that they either are God, or they want to become God, or they want to kill God. It's one of the three, you see. Because in the end, we all want to stress ourself. We want to believe that we are independent of God, that we exist independently of God, and therefore we have independent wills. We can do whatever we want. So the Satan now tries to uh, get us to understand or to believe in that delusion that we are somebodies independent of God. <clears throat> and that's his power and so on. And besides that, they now have physical needs, which were very different than the need that Adam had in, in, in the, uh, before, before the sin and so on. You know? So Adam changes in a radical way. Like I say, he becomes <coughs> physical. Therefore, the whole world of spirituality is now gone. The second thing is that they're now introduced as part of his physical body, a satanic figure, an influence, you know. Now, the name of the influence or the way the Satan influences that body, I had mentioned many times, is called Zoyama. Zoyama is a force that the Satan can, ev can project that, can, that in many ways can connect your body and you are now subject to whatever temptations or whatever pro, you know, uh, <coughs> uh, influences that he has over you. But the problem, yeah? How is the attempts of the Satan different before and after the faith? Because it seems like they both, they both revolve around the idea well, of the, the Yeah. So in the beginning, Ba'udam had the problem <coughs> He did not recognize Yichud Mitzi Usoy. 
that God is the only thing that exists, even after he creates Adam, because Adam emanates from God. He knew God's Yichachli Tosoy, that God is an incredible power and cause. You see, after the fall of man, we don't even recognize Yichachli Tosoy. As far as we're concerned, we do things independent of God. We are independent causes. We don't need God at all. You know, I mean, we, we, we love him to help out, but we are true causes. The difference is, <clears throat> before the Chet, it was the, the challenge was Yeshua Dovado. Yeah. After the Chet, the challenge was compo- compounded by Kochivelos and Yadi. Yes. Yes, that's right. And because you believe you're an independent actor, besides God. So therefore I exist by my own power. I don't need God in that sense. Uh, so clearly the test range has changed, you see. Now, one of the problems is this, uh, is not only Adam has become degraded, but remember I said that part of Adam is all the Nishamas that were destined to be born, right? Well, they also became degraded. Because Adam, remember, Adam is the totality of all the souls that will ever be born. So therefore, if he becomes degraded, it's like a seed. You put a seed in the ground, yes? So the problem is, if you degrade that seed or you damage that seed, guess what? Then all the potential of that seed, which means to grow a tree, and that that tree itself will have more seeds, right? All of it is damaged, because that's what the seed means. It's called the sherish, right? So everything is damaged, which means the, the entity itself, which is another tree, Right? And the second thing is that tree itself will also have more seeds. All of it is damaged. So what Adam did is not only he degraded himself, because he is a totality of all souls, right? But he degraded all the souls that are potentially within him. So even if they're born, they're all born degraded. They're all born, uh, what do you call it, contaminated. (coughs) So this became uh, a major problem because it was that means not only Adam or Chava but all potential souls now became degraded because they themselves would now become physical and they would have the Zayama you see so what's interesting now is you have an entire human population so to speak that are no longer supermen or I should say super beings but they are now ordinary people that are substantially degraded and physical that is in full is fully influenced by a satanic figure using his zoyamo his contaminant power to connect to you and to try to convince you that you are somebody and try to give you the needs where he's trying to say hey you're somebody go after it you want to do this no problem you see and that's how he destroys you because not only does he convince you you're somebody but if you are somebody you can do whatever you want and he supplies the needs physical needs that you want to go after and therefore you go you see so we now have a new type of population Adam and all the other people that come out of him right they're not physical there's no, they're not spiritual they're filled with Tumor Zoyama right and, uh, and therefore, this is now the state of man, which obviously is a very bad state and so on. And this is now the setup that we now have to understand. Uh, and we will see how all of this ultimately led to what mankind did 
And not only that, but also what happened that in this state, all of a sudden mankind became divided between the concept of a Jew and the concept of a Goy. Because it all traces its origin back to this destruction, uh, the degradation of man. And therefore it requires a new type of process in order to do what's called uh, what, what the tikkun. Now, we, we know what the goal is. The goal is this. <clears throat> the goal is mankind must get back to the original state of Odom before the sin. This is the problem. You see, in the beginning was a one-step process. You are in Oilam Yitzira. So all you need to do is go up. You see, by not eating from that tree, you would go up into Kedusha, into Oilam Habo. But now you're physical, so it's a two-step process. You need to go from the physical to the spiritual. And then from the spiritual, you now can go up. So it now becomes what used to be a one-step process, has now become a two-step process. And it's not just, and, that, and therefore that process, or that job, which is called tikkun, you need to rectify yourself, you need to correct the degradation, that is a two-step process, and therefore that entails uh, a different mechanism. How do we get out of this process? How do we get out of the state, that w the fallen state, let's look at it that way, or the degrading state, back into Odom region before the sin? And once you could do, you're in the stage of Odomish before the sim, which means you are now back in a spiritual dimension, and then you go up to a much higher dimension. That is the framework of which is the, we begin to understand the history of mankind vis-a-vis -vis the Tikkun process and so on, you know. Uh, so uh, I'll, I'll, I will continue next week and we will see how all of this ultimately leads who are, or who is everybody, really? Who's a Jew, a Goy? You know, what happens to Jews? What happens to Goyim? And, and so on, based on this process. And how history has changed. It's really what it's about. Okay. Any questions? Question. Um, when, I, when Hashem says, Is he speaking from all of the his when Hashem spirit, says what? Say again? When Hashem speaks to someone, Yadav Hashem emotion. Yeah. Where is that emanating? Well, what do all the ten spheres? Where, where is Hashem speaking to man? Where is He? Where, yeah, where, uh, where is Ace God? Life? Yeah, where is God? Where, where, is it directly from? Yeah. Ainsoif? Or, or directly from? It's directly from the Ainsoif, yeah. What's passing all those ten spheres? However, God speaks to man. You know, I mean, God is referred to as a being that is imminent and transcendent. That's where we speak about God. What does that mean? God is uh, transcendent in the sense that we have no idea where God is. You see, uh, God is beyond the Ein Saif. Uh, and, and that's a whole understanding uh, which I once spoke about who is God. You know, we don't know where God is. Angel represent God made angel represent him, yes. And we say that God is imminent. Imminent means, hey, he's right next to you, right? So in some way, the transcendent God, you know, can talk to you and he becomes imminent to you. We have no idea how. We can just say that God is transcendent. He transcends everything. 
And we say God is imminent, which means that He is next to you, He could talk to you, you see. Um, you know, we, we have no idea where He is, but one thing we do know, God talks to you. However, he does it. So, uh, you know, you could say, so, yeah, so the transcendent being called God is talking to you. How he does that is because in a certain way he's become imminent to you. You know, and, and imminent means he somehow breaches the vast gulf between you and him and he's able to address you. But the one talking to you is God. Transcendent God. What? Yeah, I, and that's, uh, yeah. Also, yeah. It's yeah, well, it's Musa is transcendent, yeah. It bypasses all that. All and that. And, and the Hebrew <coughs> letters, you know, the Kedusha, the letters, is, <coughs> the speech is coming by Dabba Shema Moshe. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. There's Correct. one thing I want to mention, which I didn't, because, uh, you know, I might as well mention it here, you know. Remember one thing, that Odom Rishon really is a neshama. He's all neshamas. It's called the grand neshama. Odom Rishon has a grand neshama. It means everybody's in him. You know, and that's really what it is. It's like this, this, this ultimate, uh, what do you call it, uh, grand composite of everybody as one neshama. It's really what it is, right? And that one neshama really uh, is a facsimile or a copy of the ten spheres. And that's why man is a model of the ten spheres. Uh, you know, the ten forces. A sphere is a spiritual force of which we have no idea. So Odom, what it is, so Odom really has all those ten. He's got Keser, Chochma, Bina, right? Chesed, Gevura, Tferes, Netzachoy, Yesoid, and Malchus. Those are the ten spheres. Now, when Odom produces offspring, right, he's going to produce offspring from those different ten spheres. Some guys have come out of Chesed. Some guys come out of, you know, Gvura, you know, and so on. Like Avram, Yitzchok, and Yaakov, just in an example. So Avram comes out of what was Chesed, you know. In other words, man is connected to the spheres. So the power of the, the, super, uh, the uh, uh, spiritual force called Chesed, ten spheres. We are a model of those ten spheres. Somehow in incorporated in us are those ten spheres. It's almost like that's our DNA. Our real DNA is the ten spheres, even though it's spiritual. Uh, forget about the physical aspect of man. But the spiritual aspect of man is that our DNA, so to speak, are ten spheres. Okay? Now, Adam has these ten spheres, right? In him, he's the greatest uh, being that ever was created that has these ten spheres. Now, when he gives offspring, what does he do? He, the, the, the uh, spheres themselves generate the offspring, you see? So therefore, you will be part of a sphere of Odomorishim in a much greater concentrated way, you see? So if Avram Avinu comes out of Adam, which he does, ultimately, right, and so on, so he's going to emerge from this f uh, specific sphere of force called Chesed. Yitzchak is going to come out. He's going to be Gvura. You know what I'm saying? And so on. Yaakov and Esav is going to come out of Tferis. Because Esav is also an Av. And they both come out of the Tferis of Odomeritian. Interesting, you know? But doesn't it amount to pure Gvura? Yeah, no, no, no. So, and then you have, and so on. Then you have Netzach and Hoid, which is Moshe Abenu, and Aaron Akoin, Yisoyed is Yosef. <coughs> and Malchus is going to generate Dovah and so on. But I'm, I'm just trying to show you that. And therefore, 
every person that lives is going to come out of the uh, uh, the uh, majority of his concentration will come out of one of the spheres and in many ways that determines your characteristics depending on which sphere you come out and so on you know so I'm just saying so his offspring is going to come out of all different types of spheres where in the spheres and how they located all that so that's how you emerge and so on you know and ultimately speaking you're all part of the body of Adam Rishman so I'm just saying the relationship between the offspring and Adam Rishman <coughs> is really they emerge from the spheres of Adam you know and then they come out and that determines your characteristics and so on you know uh, you know there, there were people who could tell you like where did you come out of you know and that would give you a clue and a hint as to who you are what you are and it's maybe in a certain sense what are you supposed to do with yourself you know depending on where you are you see that's why people who come out of one sphere may not be able to do something that somebody else can do because he comes out of another sphere you know it's this, this is infinitely detailed and so on I'm just kind of giving you a bird's eye view of what does it mean to have offspring and so on when I talk about offspring means uh, you know to have some type of progeny that emerges uh, you know just as a physical person no we're talking about spiritual emergences of souls and each neshama will have consciousness and so on but when you put it all together it's all called uh, it's all called the grand neshama and that's how everybody is emerges. Uh, I, I thought that's important framework to understand. Because next week I'm going to go into, you know, okay, we now have reached two levels. Odom Chava and all the offspring at the level of Odom before the sin. Now we're down to that Odom level after the sin. But we see the same basic thing, except before that they were not degraded. And now they are degraded. Physical, Zoyama and so on. And then from there we now have to understand, okay, now what happened? in terms of mankind's history how do we wind up with all this and so on we have Avram uh, 2,000 years before Avram and, and then there's all the nations of the world like what's going on here you know and so on so I'll continue that next week it's a tremendous topic very fundamental yeah do individuals come only from one sphere of peace or can there be a or are there composites that's an interesting question because you have to remember one thing that let's take the sphere called Chesed yes but Chesed itself consists of ten subspheres, the same one, Chesed, Gur, and so yeah, you know it's an infinite. Uh, I forgot what you call it. Uh, you know, it's Chesed itself has ten spheres. I forgot what you call it. And, and Chesed of that, well, there's Chesed. Then there's a subset of ten of Chesed, but then the Chesed of that subset itself has ten. And then each one has ten, yes, every and so on. Like every every uh, sphere has an infinite amount of subsets, each one having a subset, and then in that self there's a subset. That's really the structure of the whole bria. All creation is subsets. <clears throat> there's the original ten, and then there are all kinds of each one has a subset, and each one of those has a subset. It's an infinite progression, whatever you call it, or uh, regret not regression. That's a descent of different levels over and over again so ultimately speaking even if you emerge from chesed you could still have gvura as a subset because that's within your chesed you see it's obviously a so tremendous so calculation that people do each individual does have two combos, combos yeah one primary sphere but then then you have all the different uh, ping pongs down to the 
the, the uh, subsets. Yeah, if you're into ping pong, I imagine you could use that as an example. But you just explain, is that the Selenokim that we have these spheres, spiritual Yeah, powers? because the way God manifests himself to us is as the spheres. Ten spheres. That's the Selenokim. Yeah. That we, ma- we mirror that image of ten spheres, and that is the Selenokim, yes. Because those ten spheres, the image is it? Correct. That's right. Yes. Yeah. But the details are infinite. I can't even begin to. Oh, yeah, it's like you know, it's like you know, infinite. Uh, what do you call progression, descent, and so on? It's infinite. I mean, how do we even figure out? Uh, so it's interesting. You know, you probably need a GPS to figure out like where in this are you? Uh, you know. But where you are, by the way, determines who you are, what you are. And you're also your, your position in the tikkun process. All this depends on where you are. If you come out of your side, you got a different position, different tests, character traits. Everything is different depending on where you are, you see. And for that, you know, to somebody to tell you who you are, you know, obviously there were Mekubalim that could do that. The Ari certainly could do that. And so on, you know. Yeah. And that would tell you a great deal about, obviously, it would tell you everything you... It's a true identity revealer. That and you know and, and so on. You know, in terms of. In fact, the two greatest determinants. I'll just close with this: the two greatest determinants of who you are, and what you're supposed to do. There are two of them. One is the initial uh, emergence from this framework, the initial emergence, right? And the second thing is the Gilgulam, the incarnations that you have to come back again and again in order to complete your taking process, both of these things in many ways determine what you have to do and where your place is in the whole scheme of Ilm Habo. You see? And only a mind of God can figure this out or can keep track of this. Is that what made, made Ben Hazen go insane? Ben Hazen no. The no, no, no. That's the, the, yeah. That's why couldn't he handle it? I couldn't handle it. No, Benazir. Yeah, that's why. And Benazir, it went crazy. Well, he didn't go crazy. Oh no, no. One Benazir died. Died from the body. He couldn't handle it. No, because the dvekas was so great. He just his neshama could not handle the separation between him and God. He just saw too much. Uh-huh. Um, where you yeah. said that uh, the creator, Chava wanted to be a creator. Ben Azai and Ben Zoyma, anyway, each one, you know, one died and Ben Zoyma. No. Inter- uh-huh. No, he was not even, no, no. That What I just described now is so basic so fundamental because it deper- determines your being. No, he wasn't, he wasn't what they call Oilam Yitzira. While he was physical, he ascended to Oilam Yitzira. That's called Ruch HaKodesh. And that world is so attractive. There's so much Ruchness in that world that he just died. You know? Paradise? That's Paradise, that's yeah. That Oilam Yitzira, yes. That's called Ruch HaKodesh, yeah. But not because of the spheres. We don't know. You can't see a sphere. There's no they are a way of looking at you know, you know, and, and so on. You know, uh, but um, 
But in any case, so, you know, I'm just saying, because I want to just show you where we come out of, because you now understand that when, when Odom and Chava have kids, whatever they're called, you know, and so on, it, it's going to be somewhere located in their composites, you know, and that determines who you are and what you are and, and ultimately what happens and so on, you know. But right now we're at the level of understanding that humanity, so to speak, is now degraded, you see, and the question is who and how and when are we going to jump back into Odomarishan before the Chet? Because that's what we have to do. The job is to get back to his state before the Chet. And it only happened once in history that we did it. Matan Torah. Anyway. That right now, with, with science creating things, is that the part where we become creators? I mean, the, the progression that... that <coughs> I don't say the question. Abraham was told, that Hashem is going to allow the people to get in front of him, which means He's going to allow people to create, to be creators, innovators. Innovators, not creators. Science is, is allowing us to be a creator. What about it? What's your point? So, so that, the point is, is, is that, that man can become as a creator. No, he can't become a creator. He can discover and form from materials that exist beforehand. You could put it together. Man can cre cannot create, but he certainly can uh, put together items that in that form never existed, but he can reassemble things into a new form. Well, Man is a former. A former, but... Not a creator. But if the fact that they found the God particle and, 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 and they're, they're discovering his mason right now through stem cell research, isn't that in the line of... of well, of, of becoming a creator? I mean, it says it's not like... No, but it's not... It's you're using a word that is not appropriate. It's an arrogant term, the God uh, particle. Who named that? Him. Uh, what's his name? Um, the guy from Chicago. Um, break. No, what's his name? He called the God particle. Oh, what's his name? It's the Higgs boson. That's what it is. It, because it is responsible for matter. The Higgs boson is a field. Right? Uh, it, it, the Higgs is a... It's a, called the Higgs field. And it's really an energy field, whatever it is, you know, and that somehow can allow itself to coalesce into matter. So protons, neutrons, and uh, electrons, all of this comes out of the Higgs, depending on the field and so on. He calls it the God particle because it's, it's really the God field, not the God particle. There is a Higgs boson, which is a particle, which itself emerges. But the real thing is the Higgs field that gives rise to mass. So he called it the God Particle because he wanted to get it popular. Oh, what's the guy's name? With an L. Oh, what's his name? It's a guy out of Chicago, and I think he died already. He was a Nobel laureate. Promise to Abrams that if you're Tumman, if, if you uh, completely. Yeah, but you're uh, using. You Hashem, can't. Then Hashem will you give can, you the ability to create these things. You don't it's create anything, you form. You bring together in a new form. That's all. But that, you want to look at that as creation, fine. But it's certainly to do something that was never done before. You know, fine, but that's not creation. You just reform, you reassemble items into a new composite, and that is a new thing. That's all. But why, you, what does that have to do with what I'm speaking? Unless you want to... No, 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 no. Well, she wants to be God, which can create. Yes.
And where is she creating from? From matter that's already formed. No, she wants to bring things into existence out of nothing. That's what creation really is. Yishma'in is creation. Yeah, that's what it is. A whole different, uh, you know. But, um, yeah, it's two different. That's why we don't create anything. We just reform or reassemble stuff into a different way. You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, listen, it's... We're in the beginning stages now. It could be... No. No, the only... Maybe the only way... Let me tell you this, okay? The only way... What would... The only way I can make sense of your concept, right, is to create something out of an energy field. Because that's really what happens. We live in a soup. I don't know if you realize that. We live in soup. What type of a soup, right? It's not vegetable soup, not mushroom soup. The soup we live in, right, is the Higgs field. We live in a soup of energy. Now, we don't know what energy is, right? But we live in a soup of pure energy that pervades all the entire universe. Okay? Therefore, now, in that soup, somehow, part of that soup coalesces, and bingo, there's electron. Mass or particles emerge from the soup of energy. You see? But even in that concept, you have to have the soup first. You have to have the energy field. You see, then if you have the energy field, then things can coalesce, depending on, there's all theories of how, how, how it vibrates, you know, and, and so on, you know, it, uh, you know, what can emerge is electrons, neutrons, protons, uh, you know, and quarks and all that, but that's all part of a field. See, what is a field? Nobody really knows. What is energy? Nobody knows. But energy does cause motion. Uh, but nobody knows what it is, you see, and uh, so the closest thing we can come to creating is to get the soup to create a particle, you know? But even that has to have a soup of energy soup before you create the particle, you see? That's the closest, but we're no, we can't do that. We're, we have nowhere near, maybe by mi- manipulating certain, you know, we, we, we've, they to see particles dissolve into soup. You know, all of a sudden you see an electron, or whatever that is, right? You know, and bingo, it disappears. Where'd it go? And the answer is, it went back into the soup. It dissolved into the energy field. <clears throat> There's a, th- a phenomenon called uh, tunneling. You know, let's say an electron is, is moving toward a, uh, a negative barrier, right? Now we know the electron is negative, and we don't even know what negative means. What's a charge? Nobody knows. But all of a sudden the negative electron is moving toward this negative barrier and it cannot go through because negative and negative repel, right? So all of a sudden, it's called tunneling. Let's say called, you know, the, ne- the electron disappears and reappears on the other side of the barrier. You see? And that happens. According to quantum mechanics, that can happen. You see? In fact, it's possible, although the odds are stupendously impossible, oh, a guy, if you go up against the wall, it's possible statistically uh, that you will completely disappear and reemerge at the other side of the wall. Now, in comic books, that happens all the time. You know, but in the real world, it's pretty dangerous. You know what I'm saying? You know? mechanics says that could happen. Yes, yeah, it's called tunneling. Yeah, it could happen. That theoretically could happen, but, you know, 
I, I don't think it ever happened. Uh, there's a statistical probability where you, you will disappear, right, and reemerge. You know, <clears throat> maybe the reason why we don't know about it because everybody that disappeared never reemerged. <laughs> maybe that's why we don't know anything about it. You know, but th that's. Uh, but remember, even then, you need to you need to uh, uh, re uh, dissolve, so to speak, into the soup of energy. And then you will re, you'll, you'll pop out again on the other side in the same energy field. Yes, yeah, Star Trek. What do they call that thing when you... Beam, 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 oh, beam me down, Scotty. Scotty, beam me down. Yeah. Anyway, but other than that, ain't happening.